This podcast is produced by BoulderCast Weather. We're a local team of meteorologists that provide weather analysis and prediction, as well as cutting-edge forecast services and graphics specific to Colorado's front range. Find more on our website, bouldercast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter, at BoulderCast. Opinions expressed in this podcast are reflective of the hosts only and do not represent the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, the National Weather Service, L3 Harris Geospatial Solutions, or the United States Air Force. BoulderCast, a bolder take on weather. Hello and welcome to the BoulderCast podcast. This is Andy. Hey, Ben. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you doing? Not too bad. How was the week? Well, it was a good week on my end. Another busy week at the work-from-home office. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> my week is not over yet, but almost. been doing a lot of training. Uh, this week I learned how to essentially update model grids to eventually create a fire weather forecast. Okay. Which gets sent out every day, I think, a couple times a shift. I mean, a couple times a day for each individual uh, shift, whether it's daytime or nighttime. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so I can't imagine there's too many fire weather advisories or things issued. Certainly, it's yeah, it's much different than Colorado and like the desert southwest. You know, it's not, our droughts are not as extreme as they are in the West. Um, but if we do, <clears throat> certainly you can get a fire anywhere in the country, and they even get them in Alaska. So it just depends on mm-hmm. that particular climatological setup if we've been in a drought. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, but, all these years, you're going to be in a drought. <laughs> apparently, there was one, I think, in... I was talking to one of the hydrologists at our office, and he was saying, I think it was 2005 or 2006, when they had kind of a major drought across like central North Carolina and parts of Raleigh. And they had, I think, got to the point where they had to somewhat restrict water usage. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which... I thought it was pretty amazing because even in Colorado, I, I don't think I've ever, at least when I was out there, I don't recall them having to restrict water usage. Of course, Boulder has the Arapahoe Glacier, I guess. Yeah. So that was interesting. But luckily that hasn't happened this year. We're actually above average. Last This past Monday, Monday night into Tuesday, there was flash flooding we had basically three to six inches of rain like in our county mm-hmm. but like to the county east of wow. us it's, it's a johnston county and also i think wilson or wayne county they had there was one report of like 10 inches of rain in a short okay. amount of time and there was actually a couple well there was actually several water rescues that were that occurred I wasn't working that night, but my my phone kept beeping with like flash flood warnings. So I knew, I knew mm-hmm. I, I was looking at radar too. I knew <laughs> things were going kind of south. Yeah. So 
apparently uh, oh. three three people passed away, and there was one, I guess, one uh, lady that was driving her kids, like right around midnight, and this huge gush of water across the road just kind of like swept her car away. Wow. So they rescued her, but they couldn't get the kids. So pretty amazing. Pretty sad. Was it like a turn around, don't drown situation, or just like a, a, a freak wall of water? A bunch of water, yeah. I guess there was a creek near there, and they actually like ripped out the section of the road, sort of like the mm-hmm. boulder flood, like one, yeah. sec- one section of it. And I mean, it was the middle of the night, so it's like a county road where there's no lights. So yeah. it must have been something that they couldn't see. Mm-hmm. But she called 911, and apparently they, they, they came out to rescue her. But I guess the boats were also getting splashed around with the high uh, uh, rate of speed of the water. Mm-hmm. And they, they weren't able to rescue everyone. So, yeah. Shows you the uh, strength of uh, a gushing of water, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, you got to take that seriously. For sure, yeah. Don't ever drive through water. Yep. That's why I say turn around, don't drown. Was that with the remnants of Hurricane Laura? No, it was actually a fluke type of uh, event. Like all the high resolution forecast models had no idea. I didn't did not forecast it very well. Mm-hmm. I think some of them, even like the her, had basically it becoming dry that evening, hmm. and so it was totally missed by the guidance. So, Uh-oh. so they're archiving the data, and they're going to probably look back on it and try and figure out. What caused it? But there was obviously a large plume of high precipitable water, like over two inches, just kind of like coming up the Carolinas. So that was part of it. Oh, that'll be interesting to see. Kind of studies come out of that, just like the Boulder flood. Yeah. Which we are coming up on the, what, seven year anniversary here? Seven years. Wow, that was fast. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Hard to believe. But yeah, that event had a one of the, one of those big plumes of high precipitable water as well. That kind of wrapped into the to the area. It was a, it was only about one point four inches though that week in Boulder. Pretty high though for Boulder's climatology. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely the I think the highest ever value recorded in September. So it was impressive. But in any case. Uh, nothing else really going on this week. It's it was a pretty nice week here. We had some temperatures in the seventies and eighties this week, maybe in nineties. Yeah. But overall, yeah, it was great compared to what it's been. You know, most of August. So I'll take eighties. Eighties were nice. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure you were tired. I'm sure everybody was tired of it all in the nineties. Yeah. So it was good to get it's good good to get back to more seasonal weather this week. For sure. But yeah, otherwise, not what's going on for me, just working, and that's about it. Do you have all the solar panels finally working properly and installed? Yeah, so that is finally all the, got everything going, and now I'm making solar energy. And it's that's, pretty good. That's exciting. Yeah, it took about four months from the time I first started researching it to... Picking a company to getting the agreement signed through all the permitting and different inspections. 
Um, and then getting the actual company to install the solar panels and then getting all the final inspections done. And then getting Excel to install the um, the new meter that is for solar. Okay. So it's a long process if you're thinking about getting solar. Make sure you plan ahead because if you start in May, you're not going to be getting it until, um, you know, four or five months later. It's September and I just got it working. So. Okay. Yeah, it takes a while. Yeah. And some of the more popular solar companies, like, I don't know if you remember seeing the Namaste solar trucks driving around Boulder. I don't know. I can't remember. They have like vans and they're brightly colored. But in any case, it's, it's one of the companies I knew in Boulder. And they they were already booked up through November when I called them in June. So it would have been even longer if you go with certain companies that are well-known or popular. Nice. Okay. So in any case, yep, that's all done. And this whole week, pretty much, we barely had any clouds in the sky. So it was great for, you know, generating solar energy. How's the uh, the smoke cleared out? Yeah, we actually had a pretty good week for smoke. With uh, we had a couple cold fronts there, where you know the wind was coming from the north and northeast instead of the northwest and the west. So we had a lot more bearable air quality conditions. I think I actually saw some days it was you know crystal clear, like you could see the mountains and the the leftover snowpack just perfectly. Nice. And the air quality was in like the single digits, which is exceptionally good. So. It was good, but I think today it got back up into the moderate level and the smoke is starting to block out some of the mountains again. And that's just the kind of nature of the business with that ridge. Yeah. Moving back in, which we'll talk a little bit about mm-hmm. in our podcast today. But, but yeah, that wind that wind's starting to shift back and there's plenty of fires to our west. So we're going to be seeing that smoke for at least the weekend. Yeah. Foreseeable future. Yeah. yeah. So do you want to? Give us a quick rundown of the what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, we'll basically talk about the August recap, so the previous month. Talk about the heat. Um, we mentioned smoke earlier. We'll talk about that, the fires, the poor air quality. Um, and then we go into basically our potential first snow of the season, actually, in a couple of days. Potentially, you know, ending Labor Day going into Tuesday. So a lot to talk about with that and very interesting for sure. Yep, who would have guessed? We'd be still in the first week of September and talking about still. <laughs> but that's... Right on schedule. Yep. Yeah, so why don't you uh, start us off with uh, August, because I know you wrote part of it, wrote most of that post that came out on our website. Well, I mean, once again, as was the case most of the summer, the the big highlights from August were pretty much that there was no monsoon. It was a very dry month. Boulder only had, um, let me double check here, 0.48 inches of rain throughout the entire month. Which was What's the, the average? Uh, the average is about 1.8 inches. Oh, wow, okay. So we were well below average. It was the 22nd driest August in Boulder. So I did look back at the data, though. It wasn't quite as dry as last year. Which surprisingly was even drier. Huh. Last year was actually the second driest August. Hmm. I don't. I don't particularly remember last August being that dry. I thought it was a decent monsoon season, but 
I can't remember. Yeah, I can't recall either. Yeah, I don't remember it being a terrible year. I don't. I know we didn't have much drought going on, so maybe it was just kind of got hidden in there. With Boulder was kind of, uh, you know, the observation the climate station was in a bad spot compared to the rest of the Front Range, mm-hmm. or it just missed out on all those storms. Sure. Sure. But yeah, in any case, we got more 90 degree heat during the month of August. There was 26 days in Denver. 26 out of 31 days were above 90 degrees. Hmm. So that's a lot of days. That sure is. Right now, as of September 4th, we've had 71 90 degree days. Is that right? Double check that. Uh, actually, seventy, I think. But either way, we're ne- it's uh, now number two is the most ninety degree days in a year. Okay. Wow. So Saturday tomorrow will be seventy one for sure. Sunday will be seventy two, and then Monday there's a chance we'll hit ninety, but probably not. Mm-hmm. And then we got the snow, you know, the rain, snow, major cold front coming on Tuesday. So we're gonna probably get at least one more ninety degree day. Sometime after we recover from this big cold spell coming up to get to tie the record. Yeah, but, for sure. But it's pretty typical. It's pretty common for there to be, you know, some 90 degree days in the middle of the latter part of September. So I think we're going to do it. Nice. Yeah, it was brutal. It was a brutal month. I know my energy bill was very high. Oh, I bet. It was, it was like, I think my highest month I've ever had since I lived in my current current location. It's, uh, it was like a hundred and seventy dollars or something. Oh, sounds Which, similar to uh, Spanish towers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Andy and I used to live on the what fourth floor or fifth floor of the Spanish fourth? towers in Boulder. Fourth floor. Fourth floor. Four sixty one. Yeah, it was hot. <laughs> it was. I don't know what it was, but that we only had like one. I guess we had two outside walls, but it was <laughs> no matter what, what what the temperature was outside, it was like a thousand degrees inside. Well, because uh, your your bedroom and my bedroom faced the southwest, mm-hmm. and the balcony faced west, so you just get that all day sun pretty much. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that place was had really poor insulation. <laughs> was the problem <laughs> probably? Because I remember in the winter. My bedroom would get into the 40s. And there was like, <laughs> the kitchen was like in the 60s, and my bedroom on the corner was in like the, definitely in the upper 40s. <laughs> so, in any case, yeah, it was, this, this was, uh, this was a brutal month. So, hopefully, it, things are changing now, but we'll see. There was a bunch, several new wildfires. Uh, developed this month in western Colorado and also in California was the big ones. But I did see the Pine Gulch fire in western Colorado was determined to be the largest in state history. I don't know if you saw that. I knew it was getting close. Yeah, it eventually... I don't think they have any sort of containment on it. It's just kind of burning. And it, yeah, passed the Heyman fire for the largest fire in Colorado state history. This is the one near Colorado Springs? Um, it our, is, um, our um, Grand Junction? Grand Junction, yeah. 
Yeah, it's somewhere over by Grand Junction. So that one's been producing a lot of smoke. And yeah, there were just some really bad smoke days this month. There was a lot of good pictures. Uh, well, not good pictures, but, you know, surprising pictures coming out of um, the mountains and with all the smoke and people flying airplanes through the smoke. And it's just pretty incredible. I know, yeah. The visibility there is just horrible. Yeah. But a lot of the smoke is washed out at this point. Uh, it's been circulating around. It's probably going to be, yeah, like we said, coming back here in the, the next few days with the ridge rebuilding back into the area. But it was nice to have a reprieve for a week or so. Definitely. Yep. So we covered it. It's been hot. It's been dry in August. Uh, the drought coverage during the month of August reached back to 100% in Colorado. I don't know if you saw that either, but it is. No, it's been kind of hovering around 98 or 99% for the last month or two. Ooh. Or month or so, but now we got officially to 100% coverage. And the entire Denver area is in the severe drought classification. Thanks. And parts of western and southern Colorado are in extreme drought. And there's one tiny patch of exceptional, which is the worst. Yeah. So we're going to need a pretty significant, uh, you know, rain and snow season this fall to get us back mm-hmm. into this, uh, get us out of this drought. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to happen with La Nina, if that's really where things go, but we'll see. Yeah, it's, it's all going to depend on that setup for sure and how the circulation kind of sets up. Yeah, that's for sure. It'd be nice, so, if, we, it'd be nice if Colorado got like, you know, anomalous precipitation when it's usually its driest part of the winter, which, you know, tends to be like, I guess, December, January, mm. February, early February, I guess. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The middle of the winter is the driest and coldest time, I guess. Well, maybe coldest. Mm-hmm. But we'll see how things go this fall. If it doesn't start getting more, you know, rain and snow for the mountains, then it's going to just get worse and worse. So. Hopefully it turns around. If you had to guess like what caused this monsoon to kind of not really materialize this summer, would you say it was primarily the developing La Nina conditions or would you say a combination of several different factors? I don't know. It, I think the La Nina might have played a role, especially how, even though it's not a true La Nina at this point, but you know, the developing cold anomaly in the Eastern Pacific and just how rapidly it came on might have actually been worse than a, actually, if an La Nina had actually just been there persisting. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. And then that high pressure development, which, you know, probably in some respects was tied to that anomaly, that, yeah. month, that cold anomaly in the Pacific. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It didn't, it never materialized. So what do you think? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of thinking off the top of my head. Also, like, when was the last snowfall? I think it was like late April or early May. Yeah, it was in April. There was no May snow this year. I and forget the I exact guess, And then I guess it just kind of went to a dry spell. And then mm-hmm. maybe, yeah, and then I guess the cold anomalies in the eastern Pacific kind of developed and maybe somewhat strengthened the development of the ridge potentially. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like every summer we get that ridge developing to some degree. And it's just like 
it's right on the edge of becoming what happened this summer, but it seems like it doesn't ever quite materialize into just this persistent ridge that lasts for three mm-hmm. months. There's there's some uh, there's some degree of mid latitude systems that can uh, ride up and over and come down into the front range. Yeah, but not this year. So I don't know. I just wanted to sit over the southwest instead of migrating eastward. So I don't know. I don't know what's gonna what's gonna happen. Yeah, looking at the month of August for Boulder that you have on our post. Um, Basically, the rain kind of fell at the beginning and the end of the month, and just nothing in between. Yeah, I mean, even we did get nine days with actual measurable precipitation, which is only two days below normal. So I guess the normal is eleven. But I mean, most of those days were just like a few raindrops, so it didn't really account for much. Like four of them, <laughs> four of them were zero point zero one inches, just a hundredth of rain. Yeah. So, an inch of rain so yeah it was a weak month and i don't know i think (laughs) this summer i mean this summer the last like significant rain event that we had was all the way back in like june i want to say like 17th or something like that and even that that event was like this very peculiar rain event that was basically jet band and rainfall Oh, yeah. Because there was a strange uh, trough, kind of a weird early summer trough digging uh, across the Rockies. And there's like this, just this perfect setup to get abandoned rainfall. And it just happened to hit Boulder pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget how much fell that day. I wanted maybe like a half an inch or an inch or something like that, or maybe a little more than an inch Okay. with, the, with that system. But, you know, if we didn't get that, that was like the majority of our summer rainfall fell from like a pretty lucky event. <laughs> so... Yeah. Yeah. So if we didn't get that, then this summer would have been even more tragically uh, dry. I do want to do the, I do have to look back and see basically the combined rainfall from something like uh, the last week of July, or sorry, June until the end of August. My guess is that might be one of the top five driest summers, like just thinking of in terms of like monsoon season mm-hmm. during that time frame. But I didn't run the numbers on that yet. That'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So not much there. And I couldn't miss it. You see the the one graphic we posted on our webpage. I'll link in the, in the show notes. But there was an August with seven, over seven inches of rain in 1951. <laughs> it like obliterates the whole graphic because it's such a high number. But I mean, it's not going to obliterate it, I guess, as bad as next month's graphic for September with the Boulder 2013 flood. That's going to obliterate the graphic. (laughs) Yeah, I'm curious what happened in 1951 that led to that much rain. I wonder if it was just the cutoff low-pressure systems kind of tracking through the area, sort of like September could sometimes be. Yeah. Or just maybe an anomalous monsoon season due that kind of carried over into August, potentially. You asked. I'm looking it up right now. (laughs) And actually, you made me curious as well. August of 51. Here we go. Oh. All right. There was a four. There was like a four and a half inch rain event spread over a couple days at the beginning of the month. And then another half inch rain event in the middle of the month. 
And then on the last day of the month, it rained two inches. Okay. So probably, so like <laughs> that was basically three rain events. They had a couple okay. like smaller, looks like hit and miss thunderstorms spread around there. Hmm. Yeah, that's a, the, that's a weird, that must have been one thunderstorm. Because the temperatures were still pretty warm, like in the lower to middle 80s on those days it rained three inches and then an inch and a half. Yeah. So it must have been just like some popcorn, like slow moving thunderstorms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so typically the, the last week of July and the first week of August are the time of year when we have like the best or sorry, the weakest upper level winds. So those are the times when we can get those storms that are just super slow moving and just dump heavy rain over the same areas. Yeah, like that's for sure. Like the big Thompson flood. Mm-hmm. Some of the other historic front range floods have occurred in, you know, that time frame when the steering flows the weakest. Yeah, something interesting. I was, I just mm-hmm. pulled up the, um, the weather service has, you can look at the like the monthly observed precipitation. Okay. And I believe it's I guess it's a probably a mix of radar estimated and rain gauge, I guess. Okay. But you can see there's a bunch of anomalously high amount of precipitation across the southeastern US uh up into like the mid-Atlantic area and yeah, some parts of the upper Midwest in Minnesota extending into maybe Arkansas. I mean, obviously the stuff in Arkansas and um, Louisiana from Laura, from Hurricane mm. Laura, Laura. Yeah. But as you go west, you know, towards oh, Colorado yeah. and especially Utah, it's just, there's nothing there. <laughs> so you can you can obviously see that ridge trough pattern that kind of set up in mm-hmm. August with like a nice trough in the southeast and a ridge in the west. Yeah, yeah barely rained anywhere west of kansas (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what time frame you're looking at but august is just terrible july was pretty bad too so yeah we just look at the the total month and then if you look at the departure from normal you can see that it's primarily and almostly above normal Mm -hmm. uh, across like the carolinas virginia up to dc Arkansas and Louisiana, like the western parts of those states, obviously from Laura, so not really, you know, typical for the yeah. whole month. <laughs> but uh, essentially across the Carolinas, that's certainly what we had, just a persistent little mid-level trough that would just keep kicking east um, from the Midwest. But yeah, there's just anomalously well below average across Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, Utah, Colorado. And there's just like nothing in California, so yeah. So yeah, yep. that tells the story well. What happened in the month? The east got the rain. The west got the ridge. <laughs> well, should we uh, should we go on to the uh, talking about this potential snowstorm? Yeah, let's jump right in. So we have a pretty interesting weather pattern. That it's going to bring some almost impossible weather changes <laughs> to uh, Colorado beginning, you know, at the end of the long holiday weekend 
just the way this ridge is breaking down so rapidly, we're going to see temperatures pretty much in the mid to upper 90s, maybe even some low 100s over the weekend. And then a strong trough dives down from Canada into Colorado on Sunday. Well, sorry, late, late Monday and brings about some pretty significant temperature changes for the area. So keep in mind, we're talking about this storm on Friday. Uh, September 4th, and we're still got four days until the, well, three or four days until the system will arrive. So I just checked where it is, um, where it is currently at right now. This this trough that we're talking about is currently over far northern Canada in the Nunavut uh, territory. You know where that is, Andy? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and none of it's basically the, all the islands in northern Canada. Yeah, it's up in the Arctic Circle right now. So it definitely, definitely looks like it could be an interesting system. I don't know if you've been tracking it as closely in the models as I have, but they've been pretty consistent with showing this system pretty much beelining straight for Colorado. And with that, the coldest air uh, comes right into our state as well and it kind of banks up against the Continental Divide. And it probably is actually deep enough to spill over. So that'll be. Should be some very chilly temperatures for much of the state. Sure. Yeah, so I don't know if you've been looking. What interest me, interested me the most is just how the models have been showing the 700 millibar cutoff low developing. Uh, they've been sort of developing it across southwestern Colorado, and then quickly it moves east into Kansas. And just the way this, the way that type of setup is developing, it provides a pretty... Um, well, for one, a very significant surge of cold air right into our uh, right into the Denver area, and then two, it provides pretty much a perfect upslope direction for Boulder. Mm-hmm. And you know, just the just the temperature gradients we're seeing across this front, um, there's going to be a pretty significant surge of, as the front passes. So it's going to be a strong pressure gradient. Um, talked a little bit about this in our in our update today, but there's going to be probably some gusty winds. So gusty winds and very dry air before the front moves through. So that's going to be leading to some uh, fire concerns, Mm -hmm. at least initially. So before everything, before all the moisture and the colder temperatures arrive, uh, we're going to have to get through a period of um, some fire weather. But ultimately, once everything moves through, it should help out with the fire conditions. Yeah. There's look like there's two, two cold fronts. One is not really that potent. That mm-hmm. one kind of kind of comes through during the day on Sunday, and then yeah, the the one major one comes through like in the late evening hours of Labor Day into Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. For the that first front, d- definitely doesn't look all that impressive or anything, but we sh- it should possibly get us back into the 80s for for monday i would think so yeah the models have been trending a little bit earlier with that front um and maybe even earlier with the second front but i don't know it seems like that's always the trend of the models do do models ever trend slower with fronts Uh, sometimes yeah <laughs> i feel like it's like 80 80 percent they trend faster versus 20 percent they trend slower <laughs> especially the gfs the gfs tends at least in the past has had sort of a 
mm-hmm. um, a bias towards being faster than some of the other models. So the GFS, you're saying, trends slower? I think over time, yeah. It seems like the mm-hmm. European model tends to be a little bit slower than the GFS, and then sometimes it ends up being the GFS. In each successive run, ends up uh, moving sl- slower with some kind mm-hmm. of some kind of system to match in line with the other models. Not always the case, though. Yeah. Oh, I need to bring up this 700 millibar temperatures. I don't know if that's just what blows me away is the 700 millibar temperatures. Oh, I that, know. That's impressive. Like, as soon as uh, that cold front goes through, there's going to be a, a slight delay, and then really the upslope kicks in like, early Tuesday morning, and then the temperatures just drop like a rock. I don't know. Negative 8, negative 10 degrees Celsius. During the day Tuesday, it's 700 millibars. That's like crazy. Really. <laughs> what, what is still technically, you know, the summer. So that. Yeah, yeah. So in the middle. So for, for the listeners, in the middle of the winter, I would say we're we're looking for something like negative four, uh, C or something like that at for snow. I would say at 700 millibars. And then sort of in the transitional seasons, the spring and the autumn, we're looking at closer to negative six, seven, or eight degrees for snow mm-hmm. in Boulder. So, you know, right now, I mean, this is like the extreme transitional part of the seasons. <laughs> so I, would, I wouldn't I would be comfortable forecasting snow with anything, you know, negative six. Yeah. Negative seven. So I'm happy to see that it's so cold, but <laughs> it makes this makes you know the believability of all the snow being forecasted by the models, you know, a lot more uh, robust, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it, it doesn't even seem marginal <laughs> for snow to me. It seems like it's almost guaranteed that it's going to snow. It's just the question of you know what's that ultimately going to look like on you know the day after it was 100 degrees in denver and when all the snows heavy snows falling during the daylight hours with the sun angle that's you know early september i talked about this in the post but an an early september sun angle is equivalent to an early april sun angle Mm -hmm. you know we're thinking about the spring season so it's a pretty significant sun angle you know it's not a may sun angle but it's you know, if during the middle of the day, the sun's pretty high in the sky. Definitely. So, I don't know. I think everyone's fairly hyped up about this storm. I've heard a lot of people talking about it. But at the very least, I think we're safe to say that it's going to rain <laughs> and be very cold on Tuesday. And it looks to stay quite chilly beyond that because... So basically, if you trace it backwards, well, mm-hmm. if you go from Tuesday next week, uh, this coming Tuesday, and you trace mm-hmm. it backwards to where it starts. So basically, you have the ridge, you know, kind of centered, at least in the mid-levels, kind of around Nevada, western Utah. Mm-hmm. And then if you look at Alaska, like the northern northeast Pacific, mm-hmm. you know, you have sort of like lower lower heights or low pressure like eh, i guess over the bering sea west of alaska mm-hmm. and then as you go forward in time like that ridge over like nevada and utah just kind of somehow uh, merges with a really really uh, anomalously strong mm-hmm. ridge 
ridge that forms over like basically the Gulf of Alaska. And yeah. that kind of that kind of opens the uh the door for the uh the Arctic to penetrate southward. Yep, that's what we talk about in the winter when we're looking for the cold air outbreaks. Is that that yeah, that really amplified ridge pushing into, you know, the panhandle of Alaska. Well what do you do you call that part that comes down from Alaska the panhandle? <laughs> Probably not. What do they call that? I think so, yeah, the Alaskan panhandle, which is like where Juno is. Okay. That kind of okay, I would call I it a, so. I'd call it a panhandle. Because the oh. yeah, the uh, the islands of Alaska are called the Aleutians, but yeah. I think the pan- panhandle is that section that borders Canada. And yeah, as that uh, system kind of moves down uh, after Labor Day, Tuesday, Wednesday, there's like another strong ridge over the North Atlantic. So there's basically a ridge over the Northeast Pacific and one over the Northwest Atlantic. And you have a little, you have that trough like over Colorado and Kansas. Mm-hmm. And so that cold air isn't going to like move away at least you know, for a couple more days, at least. So it'll be around for the foreseeable future until until that pattern kind of breaks down. Yeah, I agree. I think I don't. I mean, that trough. Yeah, that trough that ends up kind of in the Missouri Midwest area stays there for a handful of days, at least. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we're. I mean, there's a little bit of uncertainty what's going to happen. You know, next week. You know, five, six, seven, eight days out, but. The yeah, and the GFS doesn't show the Colorado getting anywhere back near normal until maybe late in the weekend, um, into the next week. So almost a full week, or at least six days later, six days of below normal temperatures. Yeah. So which is pretty crazy considering, like we haven't <laughs> had a stretch like that since. Who knows. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's quite amazing. Not since, not since May or June, I don't know, but but that's a good point. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, if the models continue to, the way, I think what amazes me, going along your lines of like how anomalous it looks in the cold air, I think what surprised me is just how how much agreement there is. Like if you look at the, mm-hmm. uh, we can talk about the, um, you know, the ensemble guidance pretty, I guess, next. But there's agreement there. There's an agreement between the different global models and so it's not it's not just one model showing it there's a there's pretty good uh consensus there yeah that's a good point too you know i it makes me nervous forecasting you know historically early <laughs> generally especially like four days out five days out i think someone uh one of our readers reached out i forget what day it was i want to say tuesday this week and was like, what do you think about the snow next week? <laughs> <laughs> and, I was, and, you know, I told her that, you know, it looks possible, but, you know, predicting the earliest snow in Boulder's history seven days in advance, no way, not doing it. <laughs> so, so, but surprisingly that the, the models have remained consistently consistent between you know, each individual models runs and then, you know, between the different models and the ensembles, like you said. So, I mean, I I don't know. In the post we put out today, we, we said, you know, we're pretty confident it's going to snow. It's just don't get too excited. 
you know, it's probably not going to add up to much was kind of the takeaway you're trying to convey. For sure. You basically go from, you know, this Labor Day weekend and at least before Monday, you go from mid to upper 90s and then potentially going into the upper 30s Tuesday. So mm-hmm. like almost almost a 60 degree temperature swing. Yeah, essentially it's a 60 degree <laughs> draw. I mean, if you're at 100 and we drop to 30, that'll be 70 degrees. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. I think the models are, the models, well, in regards to the heat, I think the models have been overdoing the high temperatures a lot the last week or two. So I don't know if we'll see that continue this weekend. So I know in my, in our forecast, we undercut, I tried to undercut the models a little bit. They've been going, they've been going a little crazy with the heat recently. I don't know if it's just a feedback from it being so dry (laughs) or something along those lines, but in any case, uh, I, I played it a little safe with the high temperatures this weekend, middle 90s. Yeah. And, but yeah, like you said, Tuesday, did you check the uh, ensemble temperatures? Let's see yeah. what we have. Yeah. So, I mean, so the ensemble temperatures, at least, well, not ensemble, but the just the raw guidance. You can talk about the ensemble here shortly, but it has. The raw guidance says 98 for this Saturday, 103 on Sunday, 86 on Monday, and then 55 on Tuesday. Now, obviously, 55 is probably way too high because it's probably trending towards the our averages, but shows you that trend. I would say, could that 55 be a midnight high at all? Because that's about oh, the temperature I would expect yeah. at midnight. Yeah, it could be, because it has a dew point of 32 being the lowest. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's certainly likely. I think on yeah, I think on Tuesday we're definitely going to be seeing a midnight high uh, with whatever temperature we manage to hold on to before <laughs> as that cold front's blowing in uh, and through. So I think it'll be, yeah, the, uh, somewhere in the 50s, probably, possibly yeah. 60s. Yeah, because Wednesday it has a low of 36. So well, that's not okay. too not too far away, actually. What about the ensembles? What do they have? I am struggling to find it. Yeah, it's having the same problem. I think on Tuesday, picking up temperatures in the fifties to well between forties and sixties. So, <laughs> uh, but that that has to be the midnight high, I would say. And then dropping into the somewhere between the mid twenties and the mid thirties uh, by Wednesday morning. So after the the precip comes to an end, and then it's all blue the rest of the week, digging out of that huge trough. So high is basically in the you know potentially thirties on Tuesday, and then fifties on Wednesday, and then maybe sixties and seventies by Thursday and Friday. Yeah, that sounds reasonable at this point. Yeah, so for this snowstorm, I mean, the things that look good to me are the temperatures, plenty of cold air. It's just so cold that I can't imagine it not falling in snow, in my opinion. <laughs> so I see that, and then just the the ups, the, mag- the magnitude and intensity of that upslope after that, you know, closed low passes, and we get on the north side of it, and we get that wraparound upslope. Um, 
you know, the, the GFS is showing 25 knot northeast winds for six or 12, you know, at least 12 hours, 12 or 18 hours. So you imagine with that, there's going to be some pretty intense upslope precipitation all through the, you know, the foothills and Boulder area. So yeah. that looks good. I think we're going to get a, at the very least, we're going to get a pretty uh, significant rainstorm or dumping of precipitation in Boulder with definitely snow in the foothills. I think that's a pretty, that's a safe bet. <laughs> Would be to say the yeah. foothills are going to get, you know, several inches, maybe up to a foot of snow, especially in the higher foothills. So that looks good. You know, the things that are, concerning a little bit or just the timing of it being during the daytime um also the yeah. fact that <clears throat> we're definitely gonna probably start out as rain across the lower elevations uh, initially we got some warm air to overcome and some southeasterly upslope which is not great for snow so it'll it'll take a bit for that to kick out but I, I'm ho- I'm hoping that it gets a gets changed over to snow pretty quick. Of course, we have the the ground temperatures, which are there's just there's almost no analogs for how warm the ground temperatures are going to be <laughs> for snow. Like it's almost never snowed when ground temperatures have been this warm. So I don't know how that's actually going to play out. You know, we're not just talking. It hasn't been. You know, it's not just been. You know, near 100 degrees for the last two days before the storm. It's been. You know, the last three months. So. <laughs> the ground the ground surface is warm and there's not there's not any cold ground below the warm ground so it's just, it's a deep layer of pretty warm soil temperatures so anything that falls on there and lands on the ground is just going to be melting very rapidly yeah so yeah, i talked about in the in the we talked about in the forecast post a little bit just what type of snowfall rates you would need to overcome that melting rate so I don't know if it's what it's going to look like on Tuesday at this point, how heavy those, how heavy the snowfall is going to be. But, you know, with the upslope direction and the magnitude, it's, it's at least possible that we could have, you know, an inch, one to two inches per hour in some of the heavier upslope bands, things like that. So it's, it's possible that we could get some, get significant enough snow rates to overcome that melting. What do you think? I think that's fair. Yeah. I think another potential question will be if the models continue to trend with that, with the actual trough kind of coming down from Canada mm. into, into Idaho, Montana, Wyoming. Because sometimes like in the early part of the the fall or even in the summertime, you'll get the trough will kind of come down with the jet stream and then it will actually kind of break off from the main flow and then sort of like become its own circulation. So, mm-hmm. if, the, so if the models can continue to hold together that connection with, with the actual um, jet stream, then I think it's definitely going to be that potential uh, upslope flow that'll favor that uh, both rain potentially and then changing over to snow. Um, but if it cuts off a little bit potentially, then that could uh, put somewhat of a dent in the actual outcome. That's one of the yeah. fa- one of the factors I see, in, in addition to um, um, some of the things you mentioned. Yeah, that's. Good point. I mean, it's but they've just been the, they've been they've been showing the very consistent there. So, you know, we're getting into the four day time frame, and it's they're starting to 
that's usually when the models tend to do a good job. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and our storm system is now definitely over land right about now, even though it's far northern Canada. So I guess there's not that many observations up there anyway. So <laughs> it might not even matter. <laughs> so usually we like to wait until the storm, you know, the core of the storm system gets over some type of land mass where we have a lot more observations to help the models out do better. The models get more accurate with, with that type of, uh, with those observations. But I don't know. Does none of it really have that much uh, observations? <laughs> have any observations up there? I don't know. Yeah, certainly Alaska is quite sparse. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be much going on up there. But I don't know. I think at least I've been just kind of, you know, looking at the models and just kind of waiting for them to, to roll back on the temperatures, to roll back on the amount of precip. But until now, like you said, it's they've been pretty consistent. So I don't know. I still, I still think tomorrow is going to be the, yeah. Well, tomorrow into Sunday, obviously, is going to be the time whenever you know we start to really narrow it down. Is this going to happen or not? For sure. Right now, I'd say I'm. If I had to place money on snow, I would say definitely. I would say yes, but if you had to also at the same time bet on an amount, <laughs> that would be pretty hard. Yeah, I think if it comes together like it's projected to right now, I mean, one of the potential problems, I guess, I mean, it wouldn't be, you know, a ton of accumulation because, like you said, the ground temperatures are really warm. But there could be an issue with, you know, because there's still leaves on the trees, mm -hmm. there could be some potential power outages if it if it comes down heavy enough for that duration. Yeah, so the the, the ground temperatures kind of go out the window for the leaves with they don't matter. It doesn't matter. Obviously, it doesn't matter what the ground temperature is. If the leaves, since the leaves are elevated, if we can get temperatures down into the lower 30s with heavy snow falling, uh, it could be a bad news for the trees. But again, the, the daytime nature of everything is going to make that challenging. So yeah, for sure. I think the, the worry for power outages and significant tree damage is pretty low in my mind. Um, but if we see this whole thing move up another 12 hours where most of the heavy snow is falling overnight, um, things like that, then I think we need to start worrying or if it gets delayed to the next night. But pretty much right now, like it, it looks like the main window for snow would be like between 6 a.m. Tuesday and 6 p.m. Tuesday. Yeah, I think that's a good, it's a good bet right now. So, yeah, I don't know. This is crazy. <laughs> like never never had the forecast for this situation the way it could unfold so we're potentially looking at record high temperature daily record high temperatures in boulder and denver on both saturday and sunday and then monday is kind of a blah day it's, it's a little bit cooler no record temperatures no precipitation just a nice 80 degree day uh, pretty much perfect in my opinion uh, it'll be a little bit breezy but overall it should be a pretty nice day with uh, not much have, not much going on. And then Monday night, that's when things get crazy. <laughs> Temperatures falling through the through the 60s, 50s, 40s, and then eventually into the 30s by Tuesday morning. And then rain and snow all day Tuesday for the most part. And so this could be. Uh, we talked a little bit about this also in our in the post today, but this could be Boulder's first. Uh, Sorry, earliest measurable snowfall. So the previous record for that was uh, September 11th, 1989 of 0 0.6 inches. Yeah. 
So we beat it by three whole days. And for measurable snowfall, but the question is, I don't know, is it going to be measurable? I bet my guess is it probably will be. I think there'll be at some point you could probably stick a ruler down and <laughs> get some level of snow somewhere. And the National the National Weather Service will find a way to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we're going to get at least 0.1 inches in Boulder at minimum. Yeah, I would I would guess if the pattern continues to trend the way it has been, I would say this you could potentially see up to two inches. That'd be my initial guess. That would be your guess, or your like m- maximum amount. That would be my yeah. That would be my guess uh, forecast guess right now. For the maximum, I guess you know, potentially. Uh, I don't want to go too much higher, but potentially four. I guess to so the maximum potential. I mean, that would have to be, like you're saying, during the overnight hours, moving through faster, or approaching faster, so moving in, like, Labor Day night, mm-hmm. as, a, as opposed to Tuesday morning. So that would probably yeah. potentially slightly higher amount. But I agree. If, it can, if we can just shift it, like, either 6 or 12 hours earlier or later, get it away from the, you know, focusing right around midday, I think we can uh, get some accumulation that you know might border on <laughs> actually impactful but i'm still still don't think so with the ground temperatures i don't know i, yeah. I i'm in the same book boat as you i think most likely we're gonna see between a half inch and two inches is my guess but uh upper end i think maybe something like three to six inches or three to five inches but yeah only if somehow we can manage to get heavy snow overlapping with either complete darkness or like dawn or dust situation. <laughs> no, for sure. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, we have on your post, so the earliest snows, we have had 2.7 inches on September 12th, 1974. So it's certainly not out of the question. Yep. Yeah. Two to three inches, definitely possible. And I did look up the Denver, um, the day that it only recorded a trace of snow in Boulder, September 3rd, 1961, there was something like four or five inches in Denver that day. So I don't know what scenario would have <laughs> got dumped five inches of snow in Boulder, or sorry, Denver, but only a trace in Boulder. I guess maybe something with uh, like very marginal temperatures, maybe some northerly winds. I don't know. So I just did a quick check here. NOAA mm-hmm. has this thing where you can look at the daily weather maps back to, I think, 2000. Oh, great. Oh, back to 2002. So I looked at uh, September 12th, 2014. Okay. Which is, when, which, which is when we had half an inch. Yep, half an inch in border. And it has a very similar pattern to what the GFS is predicting. So if you look at the... It has basically a high ridge of high pressure over, like the east, northeast pacific mm-hmm. then it has sort of like a dip in the jet stream from colorado up into like minnesota with the a very similar height pattern like the actual height values are very very similar except uh, the gfs is a little bit more deeper than the one in 2014 for next week so that is really interesting yeah, well, that might be the uh, one of the cl- one of the closest 
you know, model analogs for what's about to unfold. Yeah, it has a nice high pressure over Dakota, South Dakota. And so you have a nice northeasterly upslope. So, yeah, that's, that's probably pretty good. That's a good sign, I guess, for what we're seeing. <laughs> Unfortunately, that was about six or seven months before we started Bouldercast. So we don't have any uh, forecast history with that particular storm. I remember that one, though, because that was when I was about almost finished with the PhD. I had one year left. Mm -hmm. Or almost a half a year, I guess. Okay. And, yeah, that was the earliest snow that I think I experienced living in Colorado. Well, unless you were here in 1974, <laughs> that was going to be it for you. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see if that uh, shakes out. Yeah, I saw another post on Twitter about uh, someone was comparing the 1961 storm to this storm. And again, it's like the same thing you mentioned. It's like a, almost an identical large scale setup. It's just that quick hitting trough with very cold air dropping down from Canada, almost straight south into Colorado. So I don't know. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's a sign. Maybe all of these historic events are lining up with very similar patterns and we're going to see some snow next week. Yeah. Snow bunnies wake up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not ready. I know there's we got a couple different messages uh, from other uh, people in the community that I guess were farmers and were concerned about their crops. They were worried if they should pick their crops before they were, you know, ready to be picked just to save them and be able to sell something. So I don't know. I told them I told them they definitely can't make that decision this early. That was yesterday or the day before. Oh, sure. So, yeah. So they're like, should I go out there and pick all my crops? Um, but but I think there's no need to do that until we get to Monday. So I guess that's the final the final part of this is that. The, you know, in addition to like the potentially record early snow, we also have um, some extremely cold temperatures on the backside of this. And even while the snow is falling. So the, the, re the existing record low for September 8th in Boulder is 35 degrees. So, I mean, if everything lines up, that is almost guaranteed to be broken. I would say. Mm -hmm. um, and I even saw like some of the model projections were taking us taking us into the low or sorry the middle twenties, so that would be pretty crazy. <laughs> so the earliest twenty degree day in, in Boulder's history is September fourteenth, uh, nineteen ninety three. So we could potentially see the earliest twenty degree day, the earliest sub freezing day. We could break the daily record by five or even ten degrees. So. I don't know. The cold on the backside is pretty historic, so I don't know how the trees and the different plants and everything are going to respond to that. Oh, for sure. I don't know. I, I ended up, because I was worried about snow in May, I ended up planting my garden a little bit later than normal, even though there was it was actually a pretty uh, warm and quiet May. Well, at least it didn't snow. So a lot of the stuff in my garden isn't fully ready yet because it was planted late. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to be in the same boat as those farmers <laughs> um, you know obviously not not comparing my garden to a farm but um, it's just uh, you know I don't know some of this stuff isn't, isn't anywhere near ripe yet 
Like I have entire tomato plants that aren't ripe. Uh, my green my green beans are still blooming, and so I don't know what's going to happen with those. Um, I guess I'll just cover everything up and hope for the best. Sure. I mean, I'm not going to pick anything early. I would say. I mean, my like financial well-being being doesn't depend on the garden like it would for a farmer. So <laughs> I'm just going to risk it. <laughs> <laughs> Throw a tarp out there. <laughs> but. Yeah, between the record heat, the earliest snow, and the record cold, I mean, this is a pretty significant weather event shaping up. For sure. I think right now, I just checked the National Weather Service is forecasting less than one inch of snow for pretty much everywhere below 6,000 feet uh, in our area. And then above that, they have kind of kind of like a four to 10 inch amount <laughs> for the foothills and the mountains. <laughs> and so this again is going to be one of those storms that is pretty much uh sorry primarily driven by the the northeasterly upslope so once you get up and over the divide you're not going to be seeing that much snow in theory even though some of the ensembles are a little bit overzealous for producing a lot of snow in the mountains i don't know if you saw yeah. some of those like i don't know if they're just some of the tracks for the low are a little bit further west and they actually get some of that lift from the trough mm -hmm. um, and maybe some jet activity. Yeah. But I mean, the bulk of the storm tracks really do not favor the mountains. So don't get any hopes for skiing, is, all, is what I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Even though nothing, no way anything's going to be open yet, of course. But yeah, it's an interesting time. Sure is. Well, anything else we should uh, mention? Yeah. So we have a lot of different. So we have a snow tracker page on our website that you can go to. You'll find it in the top bar on any page. But I just wanted to point out that this time of year, I mean, a lot of the snowfall products we have are some don't take into account ground temperature. So right now they're predicting 30 or the, our uh, snowfall probability ensemble product is predicting a 35% chance of eight inches of snow in Boulder. <laughs> so <laughs> I think so they're not really accounting for that, the melting that's going to be occurring. Uh, we do have some, some accounting for the actual air temperature in regards to the snowfall ratio. But yeah, nothing in any of our products is going to account for just how extraordinarily warm the ground is going to be. So pretty much any model snowfall forecast you see is going to be way too high in this situation. In my opinion, what do you think? I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, especially being our you know, potentially first of the year, and it's very early in the year too. So, obviously, the previous couple months, as you mentioned earlier, is going to play a big role in that too. I mean, if we were anomalously chilly, you know, for the last couple of weeks, and mm -hmm. I would say maybe a different story, but that's true. That's, that's not that's not been the case really. Yeah, if we were like in the 50s and 60s <laughs> like for the last week and all of a sudden the snow came out of nowhere yeah and i mean i'd i'd say maybe but i mean the fact is it's been especially this heat wave this five days five six stretch six six day stretch of you know 80s 90s um it's not going to be great yeah but yeah still exciting nonetheless yeah, I'm definitely excited to get something else going on. <laughs> it's been such a boring summer forecasting. 
you know, how that's been. I've been, I think I talked about this in the podcast before, but I've been um, exclusively working outside in my backyard, uh, kind of under this big shady tree since about mid-July. So I've been out there for about seven straight weeks, just every day, eight o'clock, eight o'clock to five o'clock, just hanging out outside, nice. working on a computer. So I think there was one day, there was only one day that I had to like pack up all my stuff and move inside because it was like lightning. <laughs> so it's just a, it's a t- testament to like, you know, how incredibly dry it's been. I remember years past, there was just so many days with rain that I would have to deal with. And I used to, as I was biking to work uh, and biking home from work, there'd be, you know, monsoon thunderstorms like right Right behind me every day I was biking home. <laughs> um, this summer has definitely been something different. Oh, for definitely sure. yeah. Not good. But I think this up, where I'm going with this, a long-winded way is saying, yeah, I think Tuesday I won't be outside. <laughs> well, you might be outside just to experience it, but not working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I won't, be, I won't be sitting outside on my $3,000 computer while it's snowing and raining and in the 30s. <laughs> so I guess that's all I have for this storm. I guess we'll see how right we were and how wrong we were in about five days. Yeah, keep it here on Bouldercast. Uh we'll be issuing probably a storm update, you know, probably Labor Day or late on Sunday. Yeah, late Sunday or Monday. We'll see what happens. And then for if anyone's a premium member, we put out updates every day. So you'll have at least some indication of what's going on with this system until then. And I don't know how long this podcast has been, but we'll skip the lightning <laughs> round just for an effort to keep this one relatively short. For sure. Just because uh, we could say we talked about the historically early snowstorm as our topic. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good podcast. Yeah, that was really interesting. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Hopefully we don't have to talk about snow in the summer again, but who knows? <laughs> Maybe next week. We'll be right back at it. All right. Thanks for joining, everyone. Sounds good. We'll catch you guys next time.